This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, won't you stand? I want to open in prayer. But before I do pray, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the amazing opportunity to share the Word of God with you this evening. I really do count it an honor. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this evening, we always remind ourselves firstly that without you, we can do nothing. This is your church. Come and have your way. And tonight I pray for every person, whether they're online or in person, that their hearts are ready to receive your word and that their lives will change as a result of it. And Father, I do not trust in my ability at all, but totally depend upon you to come and have your way. Speak through me tonight exactly what you'd have your family here concerning this subject. And in advance, we give you alone all the praise, the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may be seated, church, and as you are taking your seats, I always want to encourage you to bring a notepad, a pen, bring your Bible, write in your Bible, write down, follow if you can the scriptures, and if for whatever reason you don't have those with you, we have an amazing CFC app, you can go to our Christian Family Church app, and if you go to the bottom left-hand side, you'll see a thing that says there, notes, if you click on that, you'll get the outline of the sermon, some scriptures, and a place for you to make some additional notes as well, but first prize is always your Bible and a notepad and a pen, amen. Well, family, we've, been, we've started an amazing series called Seven Choices, Seven Choices. And this is all about the choices you and I should be making in our lives that God wants us to make so we can walk in victory, amen. And so last two weeks ago, or three weeks ago now, three weekends ago, we started off the series, Teacher Paul spoke, and he spoke to us about the importance of making choices regarding next steps in your life. You always wanna be going forward. You always want to progress. And yet, Christian Family Church, we want you to take next steps so that you can know God, that you can find freedom, that you can discover what your purpose is, and that you can make a difference in your life. That's what we want here at the church. And then last week, Pastor Jenny continued with part number two, and she spoke to us about making the choice to be generous. Now, that's not just about giving of your money. Generosity is far more than that. You know, it has been said that the best way to show off that you're a child of God is to have a generous heart, because God is a generous God, amen? And so she spoke about generosity, and we're gonna continue on with part number three, but I wanna say this to you as a church this evening. It really doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, or even what your values are if you do not act upon them. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, or what your values are. If you're not acting upon them, they're not producing anything in your life. You see, church, your values don't shape you. Your choices do. Your choices shape you. And our theme verse is found in Proverbs 2, verse 11. I'm just gonna read the first portion. It says this, wise choices will watch over you. You have to make those choices in order for them to watch over you wise ones. And we need to know this, that the choice I make will determine the person I become. The choice I make determines the person I become. There's a motivational speaker in America, his name's John Wooden. And he has this saying, he says this, there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. It's about our choices. We have to make choices. And so this evening, part number three, our subtitle for seven choices 
He's titled this, Choose to Follow God's Plan for Rest. Choose to follow God's plan for rest. I said to the church this morning that many people don't think that this is a choice God requires them to make. A choice to rest, really. But God requires us to make that choice. You see, it's important to know that you are choosing God's plan for rest. That's around how you spend your time. The choice you make on how you pace yourself. That's very important. You see, there are too many of us running on empty. Just running on empty all the time. That's a problem. You cannot give what you do not have. It's just not possible. If you're on empty, what can you give to others? So we need to pace ourselves. We need to choose rest. For many, more is going out of our physical and emotional tank than we are putting in. There are just so many people that are just pushing it to the limit. You know, if you had a motor vehicle and you were on a journey somewhere from here to whatever destination you've set for yourself, you're happily going along that journey and you've got a place you wanna go to, that's part of your plan, but if your car runs out of fuel, your journey comes to an end right there. You're stuck on the side of the road and that's not a good place to be. And you see, that's the problem with so many people. They're getting stuck on the side of their road, their journey in life, because they're running on empty. There's just not enough in their tank. And so I wanna read a portion of scripture to you to highlight just one phrase. This portion of scripture, this account is really about healing, but there's one phrase in it that I want you to listen to. So we're gonna to turn to Acts chapter three from verse one, and uh, we're gonna read from the NIV translation, and this is what it says. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said to him, look up. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse number six, listen to this. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. What I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so that's very important, family, because they could only give what they had. If they didn't believe that Jesus was the healer, they wouldn't be able to offer that to the man. They were full of that. So that's why they could offer it, you see. And if you get into a place where you're trying to give what you don't have, then there are going to be some telling signs. There are going to be some things in your life that won't operate the way you want them. You're going to see that you're going to always be on edge. You're going to start coming loose at the ends when you do that. And some people are even asking themselves, why am I acting this way? I'm never, I'm never short. I'm never angry. But why am I acting this way? They don't understand it. It's because you're trying to drive a car with no petrol in it. That's the problem. You're just running too hard. And church, you need to choose God's plan for rest. It's a choice you have to make. And so tonight, I'm gonna give you three warnings and then three solutions. Are you ready for that? Three warnings and then three solutions. So we're gonna read an account tonight in the book of Daniel. Now, I know this book was written hundreds of years ago. I do understand that. But I want to say that I believe that this story, this account, 
is still a relevant warning for us today. And we need to take heed and hear what they have to say. Now, this is interesting. In this portion of Scripture, I don't know what your Bible is like, but in my Bible, when you read different chapters or different paragraphs, it sometimes has a little title above it to tell you what you're about to read. And interesting, this portion of Scripture is titled, The Writing on the Wall. The Writing on the Wall. Now, many of you have heard that phrase, the writings on the wall. Who's heard that? Many of you heard that phrase. You know what that phrase means? When you hear somebody say the writing's on the wall, you know it's over. There's problems. This thing ain't going to work out. When, they, when somebody makes that statement, this thing is just going to fail. The writing's on the wall. There's nothing you can do about it. So it's interesting that this portion of Scripture has got that title. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Daniel chapter 5. We're going to start reading from verse 1. Daniel chapter 5 from verse 1. And this is the account. It says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Verse number three. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. Now, at this time, Israel was in captivity, and they had stolen these things. That's what happened. The children of Israel were, were in captivity, and they had stolen these items, obviously, from God's temple. Verse number four says this. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So yeah, they're drinking out of, temp, out of items that were in the temple. They were set aside for God as holy things. And yeah, these people are drinking, mocking God. They're drinking and they're praising the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now this is interesting. You see, family, these things that they mentioned there, the gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood, are other things that people mine or they produce. What this means is that they were, there are things that are made by human effort and attainment. That's what they are. The things that you've accomplished and you've done. Now, listen to this. They were actually mocking God. That's what they were doing. They were mocking God and praising their own efforts. That's what they were doing. They're saying, look how wonderful we are. Look how great we are. Look who's this God uh, who's this God of the, of the Israelites? He's nothing. We're mocking him. Look what we've done. Look what we've made. That's what they were doing. They were really mocking God. And here's the warning to all of us, talking about God's rest. If we ever get to a place, and many are already there, where we are overworking. I'm not talking about working hard. We all need to work hard. We all need to play our part, right? But when we are overworking and not resting, we are actually saying, that we are praising our own accomplishments. We are saying, if I don't do it, nobody else can. It's up to me. You see, nobody's good enough, it's up to me. That's the problem. If we get to a place where we overwork, so I can't take any time off. If I don't take any time off, this whole company is gonna fall to pieces. Look how wonderful I am. That's the thing, when we overwork. Verse five goes on to say this. Suddenly, the finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. Near the lampstand in the royal palace, the king watched the hand as it wrote. Now, I don't know what that looked like, 
But this hand came out. I don't know if it was like the Adams family hand thing. You know, I, I don't know how that was. It crawled along. But this hand appeared and started writing. Can you imagine seeing that? That must be quite scary. Verse six says, the king, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. In other words, he collapsed. That's what happened. <clears throat> the king called out for enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But none of them could do that. They came, but they couldn't explain it. But there was one, a child of God, who could help them answer this thing. And today, I want us to understand something that I truly believe God is trying to tell us today. And he's trying to say to us that this portion of scripture is still relevant to you and I. We're gonna look at some things and learn from it. It's relevant today. Why is that so? Is because for some people, the writing's on the wall. For some of you, you're just pushing too hard and going too long. You see, it's okay to go at a high pace for a while, but it's, you can't sustain it. You can, you can sprint 100 meters flat out, but you can't do that for the comrades. You can't do that for, it's okay for a while, but it's not good all the time. And too many people are doing that. You know, there was a survey done that said the average person, the average person is working eight comma six hours a day. You say, well, that's nothing. Many people work more than eight comma six hours a day, but they're doing that seven days a week, continually doing that seven days a week. And that's a problem. And they say that 60% of people are saying they're feeling burnt out. 60% of people are saying they're feeling burnt out. That means if the law of averages works everywhere, that six out of 10 of you in this room might be in that place. Six out of 10 of you might just be pushing too hard and not resting. So here we go, here's the warning. So in Daniel 5.25, this is what was written. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. I hope I pronounced it right. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Nobody could say what that was. The king was concerned, obviously. Nobody could answer it except for one Daniel. And Daniel, they brought him in because they heard of this man who could do that. And he came to the king and he starts now to answer what this means. In verse 26, it says, this is what the word mene means. The word mene simply means numbered. That's what it means, numbered. And he says, this is what the word means. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. So church, our first warning that God is saying to us, we need to remember that our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. That's the thing. We are so busy with stuff, getting involved in so much stuff, that people are just saying, well, what, what, what time is it? And that's the wrong question. The right question to be asking is, what am I doing with my time? What are you doing with the time? He has a story, a true account of what happened. There was this pastor, he, he, he started his family and his son was born. And when his son turned uh, 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 old enough to start going to school, he calculated how many weeks he would have with his son from the day he started going to school until he finished college or university. He calculated how many weeks that was because he knew that was the period of time that I have that I can impact him and spend some real time with him because when he's two or three months old, 
it's not really a time that you're going to have an impactful time. And he calculated those amount of weeks. And then he bought that many amount of marbles and put them in a big jar. And as each week went by, he would just take a marble out. Take a marble out. So he could visually see how much time he had left with his son. That he could really impact him. That was a wise man. Knowing I've only got this much time left with my son that I can impact him. And so we need to make sure that we remember our days are numbered. You have so much time on this planet. That's all you have. What are you doing with your time? And the Bible says that if you're not careful, you get caught into a trap just like Job did. Look what it says here in Job 9.25. He says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. And that, family, is this, one of the symptoms when we're doing it wrong, we lose our joy. When we're doing it wrong, we lose our joy. That's one of the symptoms. In Psalm 39, verse four and five, it says this, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. You know, James said, your life is like a vapor, like a vapor. If you compare your time here on earth, whatever you have, whether it's 70, 80, 90, 100 years, compared to eternity, it's a vapor. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? The second warning that Daniel explained to the king was this in Daniel 5.27 says, tickle. Tickle means weighed. And he says, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. You never want to hear those words. Your life has been weighed and found wanting. He says, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And church, we need to remember how easy it is for your lives to get out of balance. When your life is weighed on the scales, it's easy for your life to get out of balance, which is a big problem. You see, people spend time on things that don't have much or any real value. They spend a lot of time on it. Listen to this. A survey was done with thousands of people. And this is what it says. The average person will eat out in their lifetime 20,436 times. The average person in their lifetime will spend 10 years watching TV. They will spend nine and a half years on their phone. They will spend five years waiting in lines. And they'll spend one whole year looking for misplaced items. And that's 25% of your life. And nobody is saying, I'm living for that stuff. That's what I'm living for. But yet, that accounts to 25% of your life, just in those examples. So we need to understand, is your life out of balance? You need to ask yourself that question, is my life out of balance? Am I doing things that have no value? Am I spending a whole lot of time just wasting my life on things that have zero value? They're gonna add nothing to eternity, and they're not gonna help you. So Daniel goes on, and the third warning for all of us is in uh, Daniel 5, 28, which was the word Perez. 
And he says, your kingdom is divided. Perez is divided. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And that did actually happen. And Daniel said to the king, this is what he said to him. If you don't get the first two things in order, know that your days are numbered. What are you doing with your time? And get your life into balance. It's out of balance. If you don't get those first two things in order, then your kingdom will be divided. And family, that's the same warning for us today. If we don't get the first two right, if we're not deciding that our days are, realizing our days are numbered and what you're doing with your time and your life is not balanced, then your own little kingdom is gonna end up being divided. Your lives will not be what God intends them to be. Now, these were the warnings that were given to the king and that are relevant to us. You see, we need to remember that a mismanaged life will always cost you something. A mismanaged life will always cost you something. And I wanna say to us as a church, never leave something until it's too late to fix. Never leave something until it's too late to fix. Let me give you this descriptional way to think of it. When someone has a disease and it's in its early stages, they can carry on with their life as normal. They can run, do gym, they just get because there's no symptoms there. But here's the thing. Early stage disease is hard to detect, but easier to fix. The opposite is that late stage disease is easier to detect and much harder to fix. When you've seen the symptoms, and perhaps you, you were given a death sentence, then it's too late. And so what am I saying to us all tonight? The point I'm trying to make is this. Even if you think all is good in your life, and everything seems to be in order, at least take the time to analyze yourself and check, am I sure? Just wanna check, am I sure? Is my, am I spending my days properly? Is my life balanced? Am I sure of that? Am I sure that, uh, that, that, that I'm, I'm, I've got those two things in order so that my own life is not gonna be divided? I've gotta ask those things, why? Because you want to catch it early when it's easy to fix and not late when the writing's on the wall. And that's the problem with many people. They're pushing themselves so far, so far, burnout, 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 heart disease, anxiety, depression, and they wonder why they're in that place, because they're just on the go all the time. You see, family, Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34, he says, be careful. Whenever our master and our savior starts off with be careful, we need to be careful. He says, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. What is dissipation? Dissipation is the same as evaporation, okay? So what does he mean? If I took this glass of water and I put it on a table in the sun and I watched it, I wouldn't see anything happening. But what is actually happening is that water is evaporating even though I can't see it. It's happening even though I can't see it. And I'll look at it every day and I won't even notice it, but that water is evaporating and it's moving away. So he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Just like you don't know that water's going until one day you need it and it's empty, it's too late. Be careful, he's saying, be careful. So what do we do about this? Well, here's the good news. God has a recipe to help us. He has a recipe for rest. 
But the problem is, unfortunately, many people ignore that. They just ignore it and go on and go on. In Hebrews 4, from verse 9, we read this. It says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Are you a child of God? Amen. There remains for all of us a Sabbath day rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Let me say it to you this way. Work hard at resting. <laughs> make every effort to enter that rest. Why? So that no one will perish by following the examples of disobedience. We all need a time of rest. Everybody needs it, family. So then, what is God's plan? Are you ready for God's plan, for God's recipe? Well, God's plan is three simple phrases. It's already these three simple phrases, but you've got to choose to act upon them. And the first one is this. Number one is we need to divert daily. Divert daily. What does that mean? Well, we need to spend quiet time with God every day. Quiet time. That's a phrase, if you're new as a Christian and you've never heard the word quiet time, that doesn't mean sitting and doing nothing. That means it's time just you and God alone. Just you and God. Nobody disturbing you. Nobody distracting you. Just you and God alone. You need to, every day, spend time with God. You see, Matthew 6, 11 says this, give us today our daily bread. Today. Every day, you've got to spend time with the Lord. So what do we do? What is an example of it? Well, number one, read the word of God. When you're spending your time alone with God, read the word of God. Spend time in reading the word. There was a study done that said if a person reads their Bible three days a week, three days in a week, it has little to no effect in their life. So if you read the word only three days a week, it has little to no effect in your life. But here's the thing. When you go from three to four, five, six, or seven days, once you go beyond three and you're reading the Bible four, five, six, or seven days a week, it has a drastic change, drastic change. The survey or the study showed this. When you read your Bible four days or more a week, feelings of loneliness go down 33%. When you read your Bible four, five, six, seven days a week, feelings of bitterness in relationships go down 40%. When you read your Bible, Four days or more a week, sexual lust and temptation goes down 60%. 60%. It drastically changes. What is the answer? Read the Word. Take time every day, your quiet time with the Lord, not competing with everybody else, and read the Bible. Spend time in the Word. The second thing you do in when you divert daily is that you spend time in worshiping the Lord in prayer. Worship. He's worthy of it. Just spend some time worshiping him and pray. Spend time in prayer. If you will do that, your life will drastically change. And the third sort of bullet point or example to follow on your first uh, 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 recipe for God's rest is to think through and plan your day. Too many people run out of the door and just see, well, whatever happens, let's just see what happens today. Just spend some time pondering on what are you gonna do? Commit it to the Lord. The Bible says if you do that, you'll succeed. Say, God, you know, today I've got this on, I've got that project, I've got this thing on, just help me through it, I wanna organize it. Just commit it to him, talk about it. Plan your day, 
Don't just run out there thinking, whoa, let's just see how it goes. That's not a good recipe. You'll get out your home feeling far more rested because it's in the palm of God's hand. So the first solution is to divert daily. The second phrase is to withdraw weekly. Withdraw weekly. And you are doing that right now. That's what you're doing, coming to church. Coming to church. Now remember when we read, it didn't say that it's a Sabbath service day. It said it's a Sabbath day. Everybody thinks if I just come to church, that's part of my Sabbath day activity. I can go back and carry on just doing exactly what I was before, go working myself to the bone. No, the service is part. Your Sabbath day must be a day of rest. Now, we on staff, Sundays is not our Sabbath day. It's our working day. We work on a Sunday. Our Sabbath day is a Friday. That's our Sabbath. That's our day of rest. That's when we as a staff here at Christian Family Church have our time of rest. But for most of you, your Sunday should be your day of rest. You should come to church, spend time worshiping the Lord, and then you can go and enjoy the rest of the day. The Bible says in Exodus 20 from verse 9, it says this. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. And we need to do that. So what do you do on a day of rest? Well, obviously you come to church. Once you've had your service, then the, another thing you need to do is rest your body. Have an afternoon nap. It's not sin. And if somebody catches you sleeping and they say, why are you sleeping on Sunday afternoon? You say, the pastor said I can. Have a nap. Rest. The second thing you need to do is recharge your soul. What is that? Well, the Jewish people believe the way you recharge your soul is by good food and the right people. Good food and the right people. They say, have long lunches, just talking, enjoying a meal, talking to people. That's a good thing to do, right? And the third thing is to refocus your spirit. So on your Sabbath day, your Sunday, once you've done with church service, just spend some time with God in the afternoon, just talking to Him. Doesn't have to be a prayer time, just talk to God. Just tell Him how what He means to you. Tell Him what your plans are, what you'd like to accomplish. Just spend time with God, but rest. Too many people run out of the church doors on a Sunday and work so hard, but by the time Monday comes, it's like they had zero time off. So God's recipe for rest is to divert daily, withdraw weekly, and His third one is abandon annually. Abandon annually. What does that mean? Take a vacation. Take a vacation. Have you noticed that word vacation starts with the word vacate? Do you know what it means to vacate? It's just I'm going to leave this place now and I'm going. That's what you need to do. Just need to leave some stuff, family. You want to know what maybe is a good one to leave? Is your phone. I promise you, if you leave it for a few days, when you get back, the world will still be where you left it. It doesn't revolve around your phone or your likes or who's following you or who you follow. Just, just, just take a vacation. Take some time off. You need to take some time off. You need to take some time where you go away if you can. If you're in a position where you can take a holiday and go away, take it. If you can't, pray and ask God to provide it for you. But have a leave. Too many people are not doing that. They take time off because they're required to from their place of work and they just carry on flat out doing something else. 
Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. More strength is needed. This is the problem. You take time off because your company requires you to. You work yourself to the bone. When you get back to work, you need more energy to do what you did before you went because you're tired. If you're not rested, you're not doing yourself any favors. And you know that stress is a cause of over 60% of people's illness. Just for the record. You've got to rest, family. God requires it. This is a choice He wants us to make. Divert daily. You've got to take some time off weekly. And you've got to abandon annually. You've got to do that. You see, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. listen to this from the message translation. He says, are you tired? Worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn. We've got to learn how to rest. We've got to get ourselves a time where we are just resting. Family, this is a choice God is asking you to make. And if he expects us to rest and we don't, we're not pleasing the Father. We need to make sure we're a people that know how to rest. And so this evening, I want to do something different. I'm going to ask you if you'd all stand, please, this evening. The worship team is getting ready. and come out so long, worship team. And I'm going to ask you to do this. They're going to sing a song, but you're not allowed to sing it with them. I want you to stand and raise your hands, and I want them to sing over you. And I want you to listen to the words and allow God to minister to you, to refresh you. Just allow God to bless you. And then at a point in the song, at some point, they'll invite you to join them. Then you can sing that over your lives, but not now. Please just allow God to minister to you and refresh you this evening. Is that okay? Raise your hands and allow God to do that over to you. Thank you, worship team. Keep your hands raised, family. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you all this evening. Father, I pray for every person that's here this evening, that's watching online. Lord, I pray that your face will shine upon them. I pray, Lord God, they'll experience your rest and your peace. I pray, Father God, that there'll be peace in their homes, among their family and their friends, and that they'll learn how to rest. Father, help them to make the choice to rest, to every day spend time with you, to every week being in the house of God and resting on a weekend, and every year take a time where they just get away from things. Lord, give them the strength, provide for them the opportunities for them to do this. And right now, I ask for a fresh touch of your anointing to come upon them in Jesus' name.
we thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your love and for your peace. Thank you for strengthening your body. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Let's learn to rest. Let's learn to rest. Family, won't you take your seats? At this time, I want to pray a prayer for every person that may be with us this evening or is online and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never come to that place in your life where you've said, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. Friend, this is your opportunity. You know, the Word of God says in Romans that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. In other words, we'll be in right standing with God. Friend, I want to give you that opportunity now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come out to me. I'm not going down to you. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, when I count to three, if you'll just raise your hand, I'll pray a prayer. And you can know right there in your seat that you're in right standing with God. I want to extend another invitation to perhaps any of you here this evening. You once served the Lord, but your relationship with Him has grown cold. It's not where it used to be. You felt that you've drifted away. Friend, if you'll allow me to include you in this prayer, you can come back into that wonderful relationship with a God who loves you. And my third and final invitation is to anybody here this evening who says, you know, Pastor, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. If I breathe my last, will I make it to heaven? Will I slip into the flames of hell? I don't know. Friend, if you don't know the answer to that question, please. When I count to three, raise your hand so that I can pray for you tonight and you can know for sure heaven's your home. Heaven's your home. So right now at the count of three, I want to come to Jesus for the first time. I want to come back to Him and reignite that relationship. I want to know for sure that heaven's my home. Won't you raise your hand now? One, two, three. Just raise it above your head. Raise it above your head so I can see it and I'll pray for you. God bless you over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Well done great decision you're making. God bless you. Wonderful decision. Wonderful decision. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. If you're online, you can just raise your hand. In other venues, just raise your hand. And I'm inviting members of the church, leaders in our church, just to slip out and place their hand on your shoulder. We just want to pray with you. So friend, I'm going to invite everybody here this evening to pray this prayer together but especially those who have raised their hand. Please pray this prayer. We're all gonna pray together with you this evening, but if you raised your hand, please pray this prayer tonight with me. Let's pray this. Dear Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin, for everything that I've done that has not pleased you. I do believe Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead and because of that decision, I know I'm a child of God. I choose tonight to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. And I thank you that I am free. I believe I'm a child of God. And thank you for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. 
If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.